first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we're basically talking about people who just make the conscious decision to be ministering people. People who believe the Spirit of God lives within us, and He's not within us just for our own enjoyment, our own edification. He is in us to flow through us, because how many know there's a whole lot of folks around us that need to be built up, that need a touch of God in their lives, that need to encounter the love of God through His people, and He does it oftentimes through the gifts of His Spirit. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because that's a grade 4 interpretation, which is where I am. You didn't know that probably, eh? New Living Translation, it's, for, it's meant for... Uh, fourth graders, in case you wonder what that meant. So it's kind of a, a modernized, simplified version, but I think it explains well this passage. Verse 1, Now, dear brothers and sisters, Paul writes, regarding your question about the special abilities or the gifts of the Spirit that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to understand, misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, that is, when you were away from Christ, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. Some translations use the word dumb idols or mute idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us, each of us, so we can help each other. Well, being in his Father's Day, I was reading a passage this week in John chapter 20. It's the story of Jesus when he's risen from the dead, and Mary Magdalene has come to the tomb to visit the tomb. When she gets there, the tomb is empty, of course, but she discovers that Jesus is standing there. Well, she's so ecstatic that she wants to rush toward Jesus as you would and wants to embrace him. And Jesus says something very interesting in verse 17. He says, Mary, don't hold on to me because I have not yet gone up to or ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them, that I am going back to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, I find very interesting and very significant because Jesus never wasted words that Jesus uses the term Father first. Notice the, notice the, the sequence here. I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Father first, God second. Why? Because I believe Jesus wants us to understand that through his atoning work on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, descendant of the Holy Spirit that would soon after come for Mary and the disciples, he wants us to understand that God is God, but that's his function. That's his title. But to you, the children of God, he's father first. You hear me? He's your father first. And your father just so happens to be the God of everything. But he's your father first. I want to encourage you. If you know Jesus Christ, and if you want to know him in the way that Jesus wants you to know him, that he wants you to know the Father, you'll never refer to the Father as the man upstairs. You'll never refer to him as the good Lord. You see, when you have a relationship with someone, you call them by their name. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you talk about Jesus. You're not afraid to use his name. When you know the Heavenly Father, you talk about your Father. And you can because you know him as your Father. Can you imagine how strange it would be if my two sons were in the house and they had some friends over and they introduced me to their friends and they said, hey guys, I want you to meet Pastor Paul. He's the pastor of Glad Tidings Church. Now wouldn't that be kind of strange? Why? Because pastor is my function. But that's not who I am to them first, right? I'm their father. They're going to say, this is my dad. 
This is my father. His name is Paul, and he happens to be the pastor of Glad Toddy's Church. This is Father's Day, and some of you have gotten Father's Day cards. I really hope today that I don't get a pastor appreciation card from my sons. Now, I wouldn't put it past them. I could show you some of their cards from years past. But I'm kind of expecting maybe to get a Father's Day card if they have a card at all. Now, that is really so important. I mean, I've gotten every form, you know. I've gotten the sheets of paper folded over, you know, last, but those are actually more, more touching. They really are. Um, but that really is important, and I know that I'm playing a bit of a catch-up here. I don't want to recap a lot that we've talked about in the several weeks past. When we're talking about being ministering people, it's really important that we understand this order. We understand our relationship with the Father. Because one of the things I see in the body of Christ, especially as there is this stirring of spiritual gifts that I believe God wants to restore to the church, is I see people sincerely, but getting mixed up in, 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 their, in their ministry function and their actual identity. And so people get kind of caught up of whether I have this gift or that gift, or I operate in this gift, or even in leadership, I have this title or that title. But that's not your identity. That's your function. Jesus wants you to understand that whatever you may do in the kingdom, never forget that before you do anything, it's who you are. And you are a son or a daughter of God. Paul said in Ephesians, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons. Your, your ministry is your function. And your function is a distant second to what really is first. And that's your child of God. You can call him father. That's what he has done for us. Now, going back to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 2, Paul said that in the past that you were led astray by lying spirits who got you to preoccupy your life with pursuits that made you spiritually dumb too. You see, if you follow dumb idols, you're going to be dumb. Another translation says mute. In other words, if you spend your life, hear me saying, this is so important, if you have bought into the lie that Jesus is just someone you kind of tag onto your life, the gifts of the Spirit is just something that you acknowledge they exist, but that's as far as it goes, you've got to understand that you are still serving these dumb spirits. These lying spirits have convinced you to preoccupy yourself with things that actually rob you of your effectiveness in the kingdom and rob you of the ultimate joy that you can experience when the Spirit of God is flowing through you. When your life is actually making a difference and you're touching lives around you by the presence and by the power of God. Paul says, regarding the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand. In other words, he says, now that you're spiritually alive, I want you to understand you're not deaf and dumb anymore. I want you to understand you don't have to you know, try to guess what's going on around you. You can have discernment. You can be led by the Holy Spirit. Now that you are spiritually alive, you're actually somebody who has spiritual gifts available to you. And I believe one of the reasons, and in fact, this just came to mind, I, I, I wonder if not one of the reasons why the Lord has given us the gift of speaking in tongues as the initial physical evidence of the baptism with the Holy Spirit, of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, is because through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what is God doing? In a culture of deafness and dumbness, God is giving his people a voice. God has given them a voice to speak into the lies, the deception, the brokenness, and to bring the gifts of the Spirit that are meant for the healing of people, but also more than anything else to demonstrate how passionately God the Father loves the human race. He wants people to know that. That's why He wants to touch them through you. Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10, oh, by the way, in case you're wondering, you don't have to change your Father's Day reservations, okay? I know I got on late, but I'm not going to keep you beyond time, okay? So don't panic. Don't get on your phones. Don't start texting. What are we going to do now? 1 Peter 4.10. 
God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. He says, be a channel through which at least one of God's gifts of grace can flow. And he goes on to say, as we'll see in a moment, that that is going to differ depending on how He has created you and depending on where He has you. Now, I really believe that in order to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God flowing through our lives as God intends, we have to first understand that the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts, but not all gifts are from the Holy Spirit. May say that again. The Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts, but not every spiritual gift is from the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is saying here, I believe, in these three verses in 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 4, for example, he says, there are different gifts given whose source is the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, there are different services put in place by Jesus, who is the head of the church. And verse 6, there are different ways that God works through us as our Heavenly Father, as our Creator. We're going to begin with different ways that God works. We're going to put it kind of a bit of a reverse order and begin with the fact that God the Father creates each of us to be what we are. Please understand me, friends. Life is not just some kind of multiple choice program. If you're a child of God, it's not like we used to be in high school, you know, and we weren't sure what we wanted to do with our life. We weren't sure really why we were here. And so we go to the guidance counselor, which is, which is a good thing, but we go to the guidance counselor and get some ideas and finally decide what we're going to do with our life. You see, what the Bible wants us to understand is that as children of God, if you want to understand why you're here, you understand what life is supposed to be about, go to the Father and He'll tell you. And one of the ways God the Father will, will help you to understand is He will help you to recognize some of your natural leanings, some of your natural preferences, your natural giftings, or what we call God-given abilities, right? I mean, different people do different things, right? It's just kind of like they just have this God-given ability to have an impact in different areas of life. But we go to the Father to find out what that is. Some of these gifts that the Father has given are listed in Romans chapter 12. This is what Paul says. In His grace... God has given us different gifts for what? For doing certain things well, right? We all have something that we probably do pretty well. We all do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. You, you kind of get what Paul's saying here? Recognize the ability God has given you and then do it well. Do it to the honor of God, Paul says in another passage. Whatever you do, do it to the honor of God. If your gift is to encourage, how many believe that encouragement is important? Really, really important, right? That can change your day. Amen. But if you're given the gift of encouragement, then encourage. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You see, we in our human nature, we touched on last week, we tend as people to kind of focus a fair bit on what people call the power gifts. We give more, important, more importance to the power gifts. But what God does is he gives equal importance to every gift. We expanded that more last week. Why does he give equal importance to every gift? Because a variety of gifts are needed to address a variety of needs. Does that make sense? In a variety of situations. Paul is not providing, I don't believe, a comprehensive list of all the spiritual gifts. 
what he's doing is making the point that God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And there are some of us here in the body, we all have something that God has given us, but there's somebody here and you may not even realize it yet, God has given you the gift to prophesy. God has given you the gift to speak a word of knowledge. God has given you the gift to be extra kind, to be encouraging, whatever it may be, everything from prophecy to kindness, everything in between, God has given, God the Father has given all of us certain gifts to do things well. I was talking to a dear brother actually last Sunday. He had uh, suffered a stroke the week before. I won't pick him out of the crowd, but some of you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he's the kind of person that you probably wouldn't see up front a whole lot. Um, not that he's afraid to be up front, but it's just a lot of times um, only the Lord knows all the stuff that he's done behind the scenes. In fact, I would say this brother has some of these gifts I've mentioned. He's got a real gift of, of serving. He's got an awesome gift of encouragement, a wonderful gift of kindness, and, and other things. In fact, there's, there's some men and women in this church who've been here for a long time, and he's one of them that are really heroes of the faith in my eyes. Just seeing them serve Christ faithfully in the gifts that God has given him. In any case, I, I was talking to him last Sunday, and he was all excited to be back in church and, and looking great. But what excited him was that during the few short days that he was in the hospital, he had actually had the opportunity to lead two men to Christ. Isn't that exciting? You know, he said, if I had the stroke for no other reason than to land in that hospital and to encounter those men. Well, what was he doing? He was using his gifts well. He was just being himself in that place and then taking the step to step out of just being consumed by his own concerns and saying, okay, Lord, I'm here. Lord, your Holy Spirit lives in me. Have at it. What can I do? And then opportunity comes, and, and lives are transformed through that. Paul writes in Romans 12, Don't think you're better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Now, he's not saying, don't just think you're better than you are and leave it. He's not being negative. He's saying, listen, I'm not asking you to get all cocky, but he says, what I do want you to do is have an honest evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. And I believe what Paul is saying, he's not just talking about saving faith. Yes, we have a gift of faith God has given us to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and receive his salvation. But the faith Paul is talking about in this context, I believe, is faith to act on the ability that he has given you to do certain things well. Because how many of us know that there's certain inclinations we feel, certain things we feel like we should be doing, we should kind of step out, but we allow fear to restrict us? Anybody like me? Right? I have to say like me if you raise your hand. Even then I only get a couple, right? Everybody else is lying. You never had a fear, right? You've never had the experience where you feel like, man, I, I just wish I had more courage to use this ability, but I don't. You see, and Paul is saying God has given you faith to act on the ability to do certain things well, and that ability God gives you as a creator, it will always match up to the role that he assigns to you. So if he's put you in a particular place, in a particular need, you can count on the fact he has given you the ability to match up your assignment. And he wants you to know with his help that you can do it. You just need to step on in obedience. Whether that is speaking or teaching, praying, serving, giving, whatever it may be, step out and the Lord says he will meet you there. So you can either stop pretending that you could never do that. That's basically called false humility. It's not spirituality at all. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, I see so-and-so do that. I could never do that. Friends, that is false humility. You can either pretend the rest of your life or you can act on what he has gifted you to do and just leave the results for the Lord. That's what Paul means when he says, be honest in your evaluation of yourself. What does that mean? 
accept the interests and the abilities that God the Father has given to you. So acknowledge them, accept them, and then channel them toward ministry that he has gifted you to do. That's what I believe Paul is saying, the gifts of the Father. He also says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Nine of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are listed, and their purpose is very specific. Verse 7, will you read it with me? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. These gifts are available to every believer as the Holy Spirit dispenses them. So, you can't get off the hook by telling yourself that I could never operate in that gift because I'm not inclined that way. You see, the God the Father has given us certain personalities. He's given us certain interests or inclinations. That's wonderful. But when it comes to the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, there's no such thing as saying, that's not my personality. See the difference? Oh, that's not something I can do. That's actually a lie because you can do it. Because the operation of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with your personality. It has to do with your availability. It has to do with your readiness. It has to do with the decision you make. And friends, I really believe it's profound yet so simple. To be a ministering person, you know what you've got to do? You've just got to choose to be a ministering person. I, I, unless you've figured out something different than me. You've just got to decide. Lord, I believe this is what your word says. I believe that what, it, what it means for you to live within me. I believe there's needs around me. So, Lord, I guess I just got to decide whether or not I'm going to be a channel for your Holy Spirit to flow through in whatever way you may choose. That's why Paul specifically says that you are not just to passively acknowledge the existence of these gifts. You know what? As the Pentecostal Assemblies Church, we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to the church today. We do not believe in cessation theology. We do not believe they stopped with the apostles. They stopped when we finally get the scriptures and the canon of scripture. My friends, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit as much, if not more, than they were needed in the days of Paul. We fight against the same spirit of the world. The same needs are out there, and they're even getting worse. It's not enough just to say what I believe. That's what Paul is saying. It's not enough for you just to passively acknowledge that the gifts are in existence. No, he says you must actively welcome them. You must actively expect them. You must act actively go after the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you go after Jesus Christ. What's more, you have to understand that these different gifts flow through different people. And here's where it gets interesting. Because the different gifts of the Holy Spirit will flow through different personalities. That gets a lot of fun. I mean, you, you have a prayer line here. One person steps down to minister to that person. What do they do? They grab their forehead. They start shaking. They start spitting. They knock them over. And God answers. Somebody down the line, somebody else goes to pray. You can barely hear them. They barely touch them. Just in the name of Jesus, I pray. And God answers. You see, same gifts, different people, different personalities. But the same God. We are so quick, and I caution you, friends, we're so quick to build theologies around technique. But it's not about method. It's not about how loud you shout. The authority is not, can I just tell you this? The authority is not in your voice. The authority is just in a pure life. It's just a surrendered life to Jesus. As you just pursue Jesus. In fact, the Lord might even answer a few of your prayers just to get you started just to make you realize, hey, I can use you. But there's going to come a time when the Lord's going to say, okay, okay, 
let's just back it up a little bit. I want to remind you, it's about me. Okay, it's about me. So keep pursuing me. Walk with me. Let me prune you, shape you, grow you. The gifts will continue to flow, but I want to mature you in your ministry. I want to be able to trust you with things. And so character goes hand in hand with the gift giving of the Holy Spirit oftentimes. But again, we're so quick to build these theologies around the technique, but it's not about method. It's about expecting the Holy Spirit to minister through little old you. But you have to go after the gifts if they're going to impact through your life. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. How can we help each other? By recognizing that there are gifts in you that are not in me. And God has designed us in such a way that we not become self-sufficient. So what does God do? God sends people along within this body in order to speak to my need. That's what Paul means when he says in verse 13, we all share the same spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit who ministers to, through all of us, but in different ways. How many believe, as we were worshiping the Lord this morning and during the worship time, that the same Holy Spirit that was touching you was the same Holy Spirit touching your neighbor? Right? We all don't have different Holy Spirits. It's the same Holy Spirit, but as he moves through us, he sees hundreds of people in different places, different needs, different personalities, and he will move through us differently, but again, for the common good of all those who are here. I really believe Jesus wants to get hold of this, and I'm, I'm just kind of emphasizing this as we wrap up our series. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the series and you're interested, you can catch it online our website. You can go on our podcast just to kind of catch up with some things we've been sharing. But I really believe the Lord wants us to grasp this in our church in a way that we've not grasped this yet. He wants us to understand that Glad Tidings Church is not about 500 people coming to the same building to worship God. It's about you and me coming together in recognition of our mutual need for God and our mutual need for one another. We need one another. And when I say we need one another, I don't mean like that old song, you know, I get by with a little help from a friend. Because the reality is when I come together with you, and I love coming to church on Sunday, in fact, I've said it before, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. When I'm on vacation, if I could do it ideally, I'd vacation from Monday to Friday and be here in church on Sunday. Because this is my family. This is where I love to be on a Sunday we gather together. But there are times when we come to the house of God and we're all the same. There are times when I need a listening ear. That's wonderful. There are times when I need a shoulder that I can lean on, and that's good too. James says to bear one of those burdens. But friends, there are also times when I come into this house and I need a word from God. There are times I come here, I need a touch of His power. There are times we come together in the body of Christ, and I don't mind saying this, I hope it doesn't sound too fanatical, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need the power of God to invade my life. I need that. And I need someone in this body who has a word from the Lord and who will be obedient and who will say, be encouraged. Here's what I feel the Lord would say to you. Or be encouraged. Let me pray with you. Let me minister to you. I need that and you need that. And we need to come into the house of God expecting the Lord to do that through us. I really believe with all my heart that Jesus fully intends that level of ministry to be at work in his church. I believe that. But it only happens when each of us gets serious about these gifts operating in our lives because this kind of ministry, Paul says, is for each person. And it's not about a show. It's about all of us growing into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. So as John said, as Jesus is, so we also are in this world. 
That's what the Lord wants to do in our lives. I mean, wouldn't it be empty if we just came this morning and just enjoyed the presence of the Lord as we did for ourselves and never took a moment to minister to one another? Never took a moment to allow what the Holy Spirit was doing in our heart to flow through us and to touch or encourage somebody around us. It, it just, I just felt like, now we'd be missing something if we just wrap that up and go into the Word. We miss the ultimate purpose, that we exalt Jesus Christ. And as we exalt Him, He draws us to Himself. And as we are drawn to Him, He's able then to flow through us and to minister to one another. That's my theology anyway. I, I don't think it's too bad. And I want to be clear, too, that there's nothing wrong with getting excited. There's nothing wrong with being encouraged when we see a miraculous manifestation take place and we see those things happen. But when it does happen, it's not for the purpose of us getting just some kind of superficial thrill. It's for the purpose that Jesus is in his church to show us he's here. It's for the purpose of me understanding that if, if he is ministering through one person in a particular gift, that it's not just for me to stand back and say, oh, wasn't that wonderful, and it's wonderful, but it's for me to say, Lord, would you use me now through a gift of your spirit to somebody else? You see, we've got to get away from the celebrity mindset in the church. I'll talk more about that in just a moment, but with that, that's our culture. That's the world's spirit that, that exalts somebody to a place that by itself, by the way, is so superficial. It's so shallow. Most of our celebrities, their lives are falling apart. And I don't gloat in that. That's sad because, you know, they're, they're just exalted in these places, but there's no character, there's no substance, there's no, there's no wisdom. And so you're exalted there, but we do in the body of Christ. And what's the damage of doing that? When we exalt that celebrity mindset in the church, what are we saying? I could never do that. That's not for me. So I'll just kind of admire them. I'll support their ministry. I'll pay them homage. And I'll just wait till Jesus comes and takes me home. We're not meant to be celebrities in the body of Christ. We're called to be servants, every one of us, walking side by side as the Lord leads us. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll continue to do in the church the things that Jesus began. And I hear it all the time, 35 years of ministry. I hear people say, well, then, Pastor, why don't we see those things happen in the church? Well, it's because you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> the question you have to ask is, Lord, why isn't it happening through me? Or why isn't it happening more than what I see? Because the Lord is saying, hey, I will use you if you will step out. If you will go after, if you will be available to me. It begins with simple obedience. You see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they don't just appear to thin air. The Lord doesn't just kind of drop them down. You know, we're worshiping. You know, here you go, there's a bunch of stuff. The gifts of the Spirit happen where there are people who expect them to happen. Where there are people who open their hearts and say, Lord, your word says, Lord, you've challenged me. You want me to be a ministering person, and so, Lord, I just want those things to happen through me. And let me be quick to add as well that Jesus is doing many of those things in his church that he's always done. And he's not just doing it here in the sanctuary. He's doing it in other ministry departments. He's, he's doing it through the week. He's doing it in your workplace. He's doing it in the community. The Lord is doing it. But it begins with obedience to simply show the love of Jesus to somebody in some way. I'm not a real spiritual person. Well, actually, I am. I'm just trying to be humble. What I mean is I'm not like you know, flaky spiritual. I just have a simple goal. This last year, I've had this simple goal. I haven't reached it every day, but I've tried many times. My simple goal is this. Lord, just use me today to somehow help lift the weight off of somebody's shoulders through the course of the day, through the course of the week. Lord, help me somehow show somebody your kindness, your mercy, 
your power, whatever it is you want to do. Lord, I don't want to just blow through my day and all the stuff. I don't want to spend my day pursuing everything that dumb idols have told me to pursue. Lying spirits. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. I want to be led by your spirit of truth, your spirit of grace, your spirit of mercy, of compassion, of empathy, of healing. I want to be led by your spirit, Lord, because I want to be a voice today. I want to be a voice of hope to somebody, a voice of kindness to somebody, a voice of of truth to somebody. Lord, I want to stand up, I want to step out, and I want you to be heard through my life today. It can be in the simplest of ways, it can be the most profound ways, but it's still doing something, Lord. I want that to be my goal. You know what, and when that is your goal, here's the, the funny thing. You actually begin to have fun serving Jesus. You really do. It's not drudgery anymore. It's not, oh, man, it's Sunday, i got to go to church. I know pastors that feel that way. I've had Sundays like that. Oh, man, I, I just, I, you, know, you, know, you, you know, you wake up and you're half awake. It's like, oh, Lord, don't let it be Sunday. Don't let it be Sunday. I mean, you get up, you get, you know, you get ready, it's great, you know. But you know, we can all have those days. But if you allow yourself to be a ministering person, you actually discover that the kingdom of God can be a lot of fun. It doesn't have to be a lot of pressure, but you have to remember this. Friends, we're in a kingdom. We're in the family business, and there's work to be done. That's what you have to remember. You see, the lying spirits will tell you, listen, just eat, drink, and be merry. Just be concerned with yourself. Just get wrapped up in your life, your family, your financial plan, your dreams, whatever the case may be. You do that. Just you go ahead and do that. And the Lord says, no, no, there's work to be done. And that work is fulfilling, and that work is rewarding. It's like John Maxwell said. You can spend your entire life trying to climb the ladder, just hope when you get to the top, you don't, you don't find out that you're leaning against the wrong wall. And that's what lying spirits do. They say, climb here, climb here, climb here, pursue this, pursue this. And it's just empty, dumb goals that mean nothing in the end. So different ways God the Father works through each of us, different gifts of the Holy Spirit, and finally, different kinds of service. To see that that happens, Jesus places leadership in the church in the form of people who are called to help you become a ministering person. That's what Ephesians 4 says. You have all these gifts of the Godhead, all these gifts of God the Father, the personality, and so on. You have all these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul says, now Jesus has given gifts to the church in the form of people in leadership to help you become a ministering person. Ephesians 4. There are the gifts of Christ. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Why? So that you may become all that God the Father created you to be, that you might receive the Spirit's power to minister beyond your natural abilities. Because you see, Jesus wants people to be evangelized and edified through you. Through you. There have been many moves of God over the years. And I've appreciated so many of them. In these past number of years, probably the past 40, 50 years, there have been different movements around the world and the Western world that have really sought to restore the five-fold ministry gifts of Christ to the church. You've probably heard different moves, different emphasis on restoring the apostolic to the church, which I believe is true. The prophetic, the evangelist, which is different than what I think we call evangelism today. The pastor or teacher trying to restore these gifts. And you wonder sometimes, well, why does it seem like they never succeed? Is it not scriptural? No, definitely scriptural. I believe one of the reasons why they haven't reached the fruition that the Lord intends is because, again, given into the spirit of our culture, we see these office gifts being raised up again, but so often the gifts are stopping with the people. They're not filtering through to get to all of us in the body of Christ. And so we still have this mindset that I need to go and listen to this person to get a word from the Lord. 
and you can get a word from the Lord. Or I need to go to this person to have them pray over me or prophesy over me. And it doesn't mean that they can't do that. Or I have to go to this person or that person, whatever it may be that I'm going after. And again, it's not bad to, to be under a lot of these ministries. But the problem is they usually fall short because the office gifts are restored, but the ministry gifts are not released to the whole body. And so we go to these people for all these different ministries, which again is fine to be built up and to learn, but the problem is we still follow the old model of leaving to somebody else what Jesus wants to minister through us. And so we're still caught up with a celebrity mindset, forgetting that these gifts, these office gifts are given to the church in order that you might also flow in these gifts, that you might be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit in different variations in your life. That's why I really believe that what we're seeing today in ministries that activate believers is of God. I really believe what God is doing today, it's, it's coming from a different angle. It's, it's very unique. God is just raising up men and women in the body of Christ who are going after God, who believe His Word, who are stepping out and God is using, but they're not building up ministries that separate themselves from the people. What's different this time is they are moving among the people and they're saying, let's go, all of us. This is for all of us. Does that make sense? It's not celebrity anymore. We are all sons and daughters of God, understanding our identity, understand that whatever we see the Holy Spirit doing through somebody, it's not to make us stand in awe and spectate, it's to make us begin to operate in those things, realizing that we are flesh and blood people too. If God can use them, they can use me. I don't have to have the same personality, but I have to have the same passion. The same passion for Jesus the same passion to strip my life of all the dumb things I give myself to, the same passion to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in whatever way he would choose through me. But I say, Lord, just touch through me. That's my heart's desire. Whatever way you want to do it, Lord, just help me to show your love. Help me to show that you are real. Help me to show your power. Help me to see people set free. You see, not only does church leadership not have the time to do all the ministry, I'll be the first one to admit, we don't have all the talents to do it either. We're not all that bright. You know, we can stand here and pretend to be something that we're not. I don't think we do that intentionally by any means. But I don't want to exude any kind of, and you're thinking, don't worry, Pastor, you don't, you know. But I never want to communicate anything with a platform that says, this is me. This is my platform. This is who I am. And I got my life all together all the time. And, you know, I never have frustrations. I never doubt God. I'm, you know, doing everything perfectly. My marriage is great. It is, by the way. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> right, honey? Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is that I want us to understand that the Lord gives leadership gifts. Why? So that we are a coach. That we come and say, let's all do this. This is for all of us. We're on the same level. We all come to the same cross. We all share the same Holy Spirit. We all have the same frustrations and battles and failures and successes. So let's just do it together. Let's encourage one another and let's rejoice in what we see God doing through us. You see, it's not the gifts that make you somebody special. It's the fact that you are given uh, the opportunity, part of something special that God is doing. That's what it's all about. And that's why there needs to be a larger, deeper flow of spirit-filled ministry through each one of us here at Glad Tidings Church. And that happens when each of us allow the Holy Spirit to expand us individually so that collectively our potential is far beyond anything we can do with our natural abilities. I'm going to close with this last scripture. Being Father's Day, 
Let me close with these words of Jesus from Matthew 23. Jesus said, don't call any person on earth father, because you have one father who is in heaven. Let's pray. <laughs> kind of a strange verse to share on Father's Day. Don't call anybody on earth father. And what is Jesus saying? Scrap Father's Day? If you're great, you just save me 10 bucks on a card. That's not what he's saying, because Ephesians 6, 2, I believe, this says to honor your father and mother. So he's, not, he's not bashing fathers. I believe what he wants us to understand is this. The word father very simply means to come forth from. That's why fathers are so important in a child's life. It's so connected to our identity, of who we are, just the security we feel, and, and, and where we come from, what, what our destiny is about. And so that really is wrapped up in this idea of, of father. And Jesus, I believe, wants us to understand, if you've been born of God, who is first your father, then don't see yourself anymore in the eye, through the eyes of what you have come from in your natural existence. Are you following me? Don't let that define you. You have been born from above, Jesus said in John 3.3. You have come forth from God, your father now. So he wants you to understand that your past history, whether it's good or bad, does not have to determine who you are today. It doesn't have to determine your future. You don't come from a natural lineage. Oh, God, help us get a hold of this. You don't come from a natural lineage anymore. You come from a supernatural lineage. You come from your Father God. You have a heavenly Father now. He's Father first. He's God second. Isn't that cool? I mean, He's my Father, and by the way, He owns everything. Okay? He just happens to own everything. But what's really exciting is He's my Father. He identifies with me as Father. He wants to get a hold of that. Your past may have been wonderful, it may have been hurtful, it may have been dysfunctional. Jesus wants you to know that's not your bloodline anymore. It doesn't mean there aren't things he won't walk with you through, that he won't heal, he won't grow, that he won't use from your past, but that's not your destiny. So he says, I don't want you to look, even at your advantages anymore, when it comes to ministering the kingdom, don't even trust in your advantages. Don't even trust in all the good things you think that you've had or you enjoyed. But whatever you do, don't look to your disadvantages either because your potential is solely on the basis that you have been born again, that you have come from the Father, that your future is bright in Jesus Christ. He says, that's what I want you to understand. If God is your Father, then you have the perfect upbringing now because everything's made new. He sees the past. He sees the brokenness. But he says, listen, from the moment you were born again, you got a new dad. And he's bringing you up in a brand new way. And he's showing you who you are. And where you've come from now, you've come from him. That's your identity. That's your name now. That's your potential now. That's where you're going now. And friends, if you can believe that, if you can receive that new reality, you can flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because in Jesus, there are no limits anymore. No limits. We just put them on ourselves when we believe dumb lying spirits. That's where we get shut down. The Father does not accuse you. He does not condemn you. Perfect love banishes all fear. We walk in love. We walk in the Father's love and the confidence of who we are as sons and daughters of God. So i got to wrap up. Here's your assignment. Here's your assignment for this week, for this summer. I want to encourage you this morning, friends. Don't allow your summer, don't allow your downtime just to be wasted with fruitless pursuits. Get some rest. Rest your body. Get away. Take advantage of that. But I think it was Augustine who said, our soul, our spirit only finds its rest in God. Take advantage of time. Carve out time 
to go after Jesus. Carbo Tomnick, you haven't done so far this year to get into the Word of God, to have walks on the beach with God, to talk with the Lord, to commune with Him. Take time to go after spiritual gifts in a way that is healthy and love-based and balanced and matures you in your walk with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you. Here's your homework. In case I don't see you for September, I encourage you, go after serving. Go after encouragement. Go after kindness. Go after prophecy. Go after words of knowledge. Go after words of wisdom. Go after gifts of healing. Go after the power of the Holy Spirit through your life. Let your assignment this summer be, Lord, I pray that you will take these next several weeks. I pray before I head back into a busy fall, I pray that you will strip away every trace of lying spirits in my life, every dumb pursuit I've given myself to, everything I go after to find identity and to find some kind of significance or worth. Lord, I pray by your grace, strip it away. Let my identity be in you. Let it be about you. And Lord, help me to step out as a son or daughter of God and begin to experience the joy of your Holy Spirit, of your presence and your power visiting me and flowing through me. Let me know the joy of my salvation. Let me know the joy of being a soul winner for your kingdom. That's it. That's your homework. That's it. If you do that all summer, we'll let you back in in September. That's it. Okay, I'm going to close. Don't even need the musicians this morning. Let's bow our heads, just quickly. If you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus, I just want to give you the simple opportunity, before you leave this place, to say, Pastor, I don't understand everything, but I sure get a feeling that I'm made for a lot more than I've realized. And I can identify when you say dumb pursuits, empty pursuits. I realized this morning that God is here. He's real. Or I've seen him in a friend who brought me to church, whatever it may be. And I want to surrender my life to a God who loves me. I want to ask him to forgive me. I want to ask him to cleanse me. I'm just going to pray this simple prayer, every head bowed. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me before we leave. Those of you who know the Lord as well, let's just all repeat this prayer. It's just coming from my heart, nothing I've memorized. Just coming from my heart. Let's just pray this prayer. Dear God, I thank you that you allow me to call you Father. I thank you that I can do that because you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin in my place to pay my penalty so I can be forgiven and walk away free, free to know you free to love you, free to be loved by you, and free to be everything you created me to be. I ask you to forgive me for going my own way. I surrender my life to you this morning, not to become religious, but to have a relationship with the living God who is my father. I receive you as my father today. And I thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's remain bowed just for a moment. Just for a moment, remain bowed. If you're here this morning, we may all know the Lord, but you prayed that prayer for the first time. Would you just let me know? Would you just raise your hand or look at me to say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer this morning. 
Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? I prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time to receive Christ in my heart. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We've already taken time to minister to one another. But if you're here this morning, you open your heart to Jesus Christ. I invite you to tell somebody who brought you that you came with what you prayed this morning. Or I'm going to stay here for a moment. Come and meet with me. I'd love to meet you and pray with you. Amen. God bless you. Is it okay to, to, to leave without music? Is it okay? Okay. God bless you. Happy, happy Father's Day. Have a wonderful, wonderful day in the Lord. We may have you for another week or so before the summer. Have a wonderful day. Love you. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand. Introduce yourself. Somebody you don't know. Give them a big hug. God bless. <laughs>